I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is Tech Central. I'm joined now by no stranger to this show, and that's Kim Reed, about to be former CEO at Take A Lot Group. I say former because he is stepping down as CEO and is taking on the role of chairman of the board of the Nuspash Controlled Company. Kim, last time we recorded a podcast, it was under very different circumstances. It was during the height of the hard lockdown in 2020, and you were not a happy man at the time. Uh, I trust you are in a less stressful environment today than you were back then. Yeah, definitely. Um, Duncan, it's, it's been an interesting last 18 months. Um, you know, we've had, we went from that lockdown period where we were completely bolted down, couldn't do anything, um, to quite high growth in, in May. Um, and, um, you know, we've continued a relatively good growth trend um, since, since then in all the businesses, which has been quite nice. Um, COVID has been um, positive for our business, certainly. Um, and um, I think, look, it's, 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 uh, it's a world, worldwide trend, really, at the moment for, for e-commerce. It's, I think it's, it's a step change in most markets. Yeah, I was amazed to see the, num- the latest numbers out of Amazon.com in the US and to see how they've performed over the last year or so. And that, that growth has been absolutely astonishing. So e-commerce has been riding the wave. Um, I think initially here in South Africa, ran into some challenges with the regulations, but uh, since then has been growing well. What sort of growth has Take a Lot seen over the last year? So we published our results um, in the NASPAS um, financials, uh, in the last financials, and you saw growth in COVID, um, the group growth around about you know, 70 to 80% um, on the top line. Uh, take a lot broke into, into profitability um, for the first time last financial year, um, which is a nice place to be. So it's been a 10-year journey to profitability. Um, while Superblist and Mr. D Food are still in their you know, growth phases and it's in a slightly different um, phase of the business to take a look, which is more mature, although mature is an interesting word in our business at the moment. Sure, sure. So, so I mean, obviously, um, good growth on the back of, of the lockdown, but now that we've started to come out of that, I mean, we're still in a level three lockdown here in South Africa, but people can, I think people are fairly comfortable out going back to the supermarket to buy goods. Um, what have you seen since the relaxation of the of those hard lockdown rules last year as the growth continued? Yes, we've always anticipated um, that we wouldn't have the same amounts of growth, but we still got steady growth. So steady growth in in the retail environment, you know, in, uh, to our competitors is probably um, you know ten percent or lower. Um, ours is significantly above that, and we can we've always said that that'll continue. When you have a look at at you know how the how the the landscape has somewhat changed, you can really look at at the way we look at it over five to to seven years. And when we looked at it in, in two, if you looked at um, e-commerce as a, as a percentage of, of total retail in 2019, 2020 calendar, um, you know, 2019, we were looking at around about 1.5% penetrated e-commerce as a percentage of total retail. And then post, post the initial COVID um, boost, that popped up to about 26 And we would have anticipated that was only around about 1.7 before, before COVID, if, you know, if COVID hadn't happened. If you look five years forward, um, you know, our original predictions um, of growth in the market were probably, we, we saw a four, you know, anything between three and 4% um, penetrated. Um, post-COVID, we think that that's probably closer to seven, you know, seven to 9%. Oh, wow. In the next wow. five, yeah. Okay, so starting to get closer to the international norm. 
still very far from those actually you know if yeah. you look at, at the, the Chinese markets and the US markets and the UK markets you know those in their in their high teens already oh, um, in fact the Chinese market is I think over 20 percent I think Chinese market is probably rough, roughly 20 you know depends who you ask probably between 25 and 30 percent um, penetrated mm-hmm. so we're still a tiny part of of retail in this country Interesting. I mean, I, I was looking at some numbers the other day. Uh, I was reading an article that said that Amazon's annualized sales um, have topped Walmart's for the first time. I think that was in the 12 months period to the end of June, if I'm not mistaken, uh, making uh, Amazon the second biggest retailer by sales in the world after China's Alibaba. And I'm surprised that China, that Alibaba is at number one, but uh, it's now Alibaba number one, Amazon number two, and a physical retailer Walmart has now been relegated to third position in terms of sales. Um, do you think we'd ever get to a similar situation here in South Africa where an online retailer could overtake the country's biggest retailer, which I think is ShopRite Group? Uh, I, I know yeah, the, the dynamics yeah. in South Africa are very different, but uh, do you think maybe a decade from now we could we could actually reach a point like that? Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not sure that it'll it'll happen in this country. If you have a look, look we've always said that that e-commerce is not going to take over the world. It's not going to be a hundred percent e-commerce and no physical retail. It's never going to happen. Sure. Um, I think that there's probably a steady state, um, which could be anything upwards of, of 20 to 30% in time in yeah. this country. Um, I don't, th- you know, you're still going to have physical retail. And look, the, the, you know, when you mentioned ShopRite, so you're mentioning, you, you're mentioning a, a slightly different part of, of the market because you've got, I've just actually read an article um, on Walmart versus Amazon grocery. It's in the, it's in the FT at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which very interesting numbers. You know, you look at Amazon today, um, very small part of grocery. Walmart obviously much larger in, 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 in grocery. Online, Amazon 40% of the market, Walmart only 7% of the market. So, you know, general merchandise has has grown and grown particularly quickly for, for online players. Mm. Um, the grocery side of things is still to come. If you look at the South African market, you've probably got a market, a retail market of somewhere around about I think it's 1.3 to 1.4 trillion, depending on which which um, research you look at. Of that, roughly, I would say 500 to 600 um, billion of that is is general merch. Um, another, you know, five to six, maybe slightly more, um, is is grocery, and then there's a very small apparel and footwear um, portion to it. Um, so, look, I think the summation of it is. Great opportunity and great potential for e-commerce still because we're still um, underpenetrated right. in the market, um, but lots to do and and lots of opportunity and and bricks and mortar is not going away. It's um, you know you compete head to head with with bricks and mortar on a daily basis. You're competing with with mass march. You're competing with with shop right. You're competing with you know Mr. Price, TFG, you name it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of guys yeah. are all having a go at e-commerce, but e-commerce is not a market. Um, retail as a market. So, Kim, take a lot announced uh, earlier this month that um, Mamunchai Mahlare, who is the current MD at Ilova Sugar based in Durban, is going to be taking the hot seat from you at uh, Take a Lot. And according to the press release, she'll be uh, taking on the CEO role as of 1 October, and you're going to be moved into the role of chairman. Um, you mentioned earlier in the discussion that uh, Take a Lot is still very much a growth business. Uh, why did you feel now was the right time to step aside as CEO and into the chairman role? Look, it's been 10 years, um, which is, is, is a slog, um, and it's a highly operational business. But I think it's also important to, 
to have diversity in, in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the business is run in a particular way because I'm there and involved in a lot of the stuff. I've been there since, since day one and started the business, um, which can be healthy and unhealthy at times. And I think it's, it's just, you know, take a lot. We've broken the back of the, of the, the profitability hump. So we, we've now turned, turned profitable and take a lot, although there's still a lot of growth left. When, when I looked at the business and looked at, at the country and the dynamics within the country, I felt that it was time for, for me to not move out the business, remain in the business, but to bring somebody else in, um, which will bring, um, you know, possibly a different way of doing things, a different way of looking at things, um, as well as, you know, we've always believed in our business that diversity breeds strength. It really is a more diverse company is, is, a, more, is, is a stronger business. Um, and it's important in this country as well to have someone at the top of the the, the company um, that is representative of this company and the right. country. Right, right. Okay. So, so what is your role going to be uh, going forward? Are you going to have more of an executive than a non-executive role? Will you be involved in developing strategy going forward? Yeah, so I'm trying to figure that out as we go. <laughs> to be honest, we um, right now. Um, I, 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 I was on an interview last night, and I said I'm, I'm group CEO, chairman, and chief bottle washer at the moment um, because Mama Kai has not joined us yet, and I'm very excited to have her on board on the first of October. When she steps in, I'll move into into the chairman role, and really, what I'll focus on is less operations. Mm-hmm. Um, so less getting in everyone's hair on a daily basis, be it on, you know, the checkout problems or the return problems or the customer problems, um, and look more at, at, at the growth opportunities, which we have plenty um, in, in the business. Um, so, you know, you look at, again, just if you look at the basic stats, as I was saying before, the penetration of, of, of retail, lots of opportunity, lots of headroom. Um, and um, I want to focus on some core things that that we've been looking at for a while, but just haven't got around to because, look, frankly, the last 18 months has been all hands on deck. There sure. hasn't been an opportunity to look at anything but operations. So uh, can you give us uh, some examples of those things that you'll be looking at, or would that be competitive-sensitive information? Yeah, look, I think there is some competitive-sensitive sensitive information, but we will we will look at, at at how we, you know, if you look at, at grocery for one, um, it is something that, that we want to explore um, and see if, we, if there's a part for us to play there, um, you know, perhaps broadening out our financial services cap- um, capability as well is something else we want to look at as well. Um, so those are just two kind of nuggets that that I'll spend some time time on seeing if we can if if there's a part for us to play actually um, yeah, yeah. I think that's important if there's no part for us to play we won't be playing that sure sure and what about uh, other African markets is there an opportunity there for take a lot you know Africa is a tough place to do business um, in and I think even tougher on the e-commerce side I think we do see things happening in Africa um, and growing in Africa but. You look at the retail part of the of of the market. You know, Shoprite has pulled back out of Nigeria. I think they pulled back out of Ghana recently as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of South African retailers have pulled out of out of um, territories. So while we're we're we have ambitions, and you know, if you look at our our vision and mission of the group, because um, we've kind of formulated a group, and we can discuss that just now. Um, but our group our group vision is really to become a sustainable and diverse products technology driven African champion. So Africa is in, is in the, the, um, the wording. So we want, we have got African ambitions mm-hmm. and then, you know, our, our, our mission really is saving customers time and money, enabling businesses and um, creating opportunities. So 
Africa is, is an opportunity. I think we've got a lot more to chew on in South Africa for the moment. And, and you know, we'll look at, we, we actually review this pretty much on a yearly basis to see if we're ready to, to, to branch out into another African territory yet. And right now that's not quite on the cards. Okay. And it's not a case of uh, competitors going to swoop in and take away the African opportunity before you get a chance to get there. Look, there's, you know, so you have got competitors there at the moment. Um, you know, um, Jumia is around. I don't really know how well they're doing. I think they're struggling. They're in very, very different markets and they're in a lot of markets. And um, all I know is that when you operationalize our type of business in a lot of markets, you've got a lot of headaches um, and it's difficult to, to get that and keep it going. Um, so they're one of them. Um, you know, I haven't seen any huge competitors. I'm sure there are um, local um, e-commerce players in each one of the markets. But, you know, e-commerce being such a small percentage of retail on the African continent, um, I don't think we lose out on the opportunity by not moving now. Okay. And, uh, and could you possibly look at buying some of these smaller players to enter into those markets at some point? Yeah, if that was, I mean, you know, it's obviously if buying things is not always the solution, but yeah. um, if there are good players out there, sure. Um, you know, if that's an entrance to a mar- entry point to a market, we definitely would consider that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kim, so you've been in the role of CEO for uh, a decade now. Um, if you were to take a look back, what would you say are the most two or three most important decisions that you took in that time that helped take a lot get to where it is today? Yes, yeah, so the, the, the one is people. So we make decisions on people all the time and having the right people in the right places, um, be that on an executive level or on a middle management level or any level. Um, that is the most important part in the business. And it's, it's amazing how you make bad decisions. And I think the most important thing when you do make bad decisions, especially on the people side, is unfair to keep them in the business. And it's un, unfair on the business as well because you, you really do feel it. So you've got to make those decisions quite quickly when things are going wrong and um, you know find the right people for the job. So I think we've done a relatively good, in fact, I think we've done an ex- extremely good job in, in finding the right people in, in, in different parts of, of the business. And we really have three, um, you know, strong chief executives in the, in the business right now running each one of the, the, the businesses and um, they're the right people for the job. So that's probably the, you know, some of the good decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was um, Mr. Delivery. So the Mr. Delivery business, which has become the backbone of our um, take a lot delivery team, which is our logistics um, functionality, has definitely put us in in a really good place. And it wasn't an easy decision to take at the time because you know, when you look at e-commerce, I think the ideas of e-commerce in the early days were try and do as little as possible in the difficult parts and um, kind of float on the top and build a platform and you know, everything will come right. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we had to do some heavy lifting on the logistics side. And I think the logistics side, you know, we, we probably deliver, if I look at all three businesses today, we're delivering roughly 4 million um, packages, food deliveries, whatever, um, you know, but total deliveries a month today. Wow. Um, I heard, um, I think it was a, a video from ShopRite recently where they said they delivered 1.5 million um, 60, um, 60 deliveries in the year. Well, you know, that's very different scale. So 
So we've we've that that decision has been has been a very good decision for us and one that we continue doubling down on to make sure that we can get our logistics um, capability expanded and better and better. Um, yeah, what else? Nothing really comes to mind right now. It's it's interesting. We we're we're a company that looks forward, not necessarily backwards. <laughs> sure, sure. I wanted to ask about Nuspash involvement. They're your majority mm. shareholder. Um, how, is it, how important has it been to have Nuspash as, as, as your backer and, and how involved uh, have they been in the business over the years? Sure, you've actually reminded me of something which I should have actually also said. So I think shareholding is extremely important. So, you know, we had Tiger in the early years. Tiger were unbelievable shareholders and it really revolved around Leaf Excel, who was the Tiger representative, um, who um, I still you know, talk to today, um, was an amazing investor in the business, backed us completely. And if you look at 2014, um, when they put $100 million into the business, um, you know, business sitting in the African continent on the tip of Africa, um, there was a lot, of, a lot of money and a lot of confidence they put, in, put into the, to, to us to be able to, to enable us to build the business. Now, Space has also been an incredibly good shareholder. Um, and it's, it's, as I say, it's very important to have the right shareholders on board. We're a business that really runs itself. So we've got good executives who um, drive the business forward. What is nice about Nuspace is you do get um, to see other models around the world. So, mm. you know, you, you can't, you can't just be insular and just look at what's happening within your own territories or country. Um, you need to have a, a view on what's happening elsewhere. And they do remind us often about what, what is happening elsewhere in the world. And sometimes, you know, we'll agree and move things forward based on, on what, what they've seen. Um, and sometimes we won't because we don't think it's purpose fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a great, they are a great shareholder to have and, and obviously highly supportive of what we've done and where we're going to today. Okay, so you can bounce ideas off them and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, the bouncing ideas I think are largely internal, but um, you know, when, when investment decisions come, then there is a lot of 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 toing and froing as to business models, um, amounts of investments, um, whether they think it will work or not, um, whether we think it will work or not. Um, those type of cons- um, conversations happen on a continual basis. Kim, I wanted to get your view on uh, the post office and the no- all the noise around the post office at the moment regarding it trying to enforce its uh, monopoly, alleged monopoly over parcels or del- the delivery of parcels over one kilogram. I believe they're engaging with Hikasa in that process at the moment. What is your view on on all of this? And if it, if they were to be successful in uh, in enforcing that monopoly, what would be the impact on take a lot and the rest of the e-commerce industry in South Africa? Yeah, so I think first of all, this is not a new thing. This this has been going since I think it was roughly 2014. Okay. We try to look. We looked at buying a business um, and um, came across this exact issue with the post office, and they were trying to enforce different types of things. So, not a new issue. Um, I think it is slightly disingenuous of an organization that cannot deliver the post to have to want to do some other things. Um, <laughs> it's um, beyond me. So, you know, it, I would, I would say first get your, your, your house in order, prove that you can actually do what you should be doing and then start having a go at, at some type of regulatory environment where you want to then increase your, your opportunity to do something. Why, why get more volume and just, um, upset more and more people <laughs> because you can't do your your regular job. So you know, I, I find it I find it amusing that they want to do this. Um, you know, it's 
it is counterproductive as well. If you think about the e-commerce industry, there are a lot of couriers out there who um, you know, do bad jobs to good jobs, um, but packages are being delivered to people's houses you know, on an hourly basis. Um, this adds, you know, it's almost like trade, the, the way I've seen it, and I, I, can, I can tell you why we haven't followed it that closely, but it's almost like taking a toll um, on packages, it appears they want to they want to levy something if you if you're now um, going to be um, delivering something below one kilogram. That's the the last um, stuff that I saw. Which I, I just don't get it. I really just don't get it. How will it affect us? It affects us less than most because we do our own deliveries. So um, you know we have very few deliveries today actually that are under one kilogram. Um, and you know, if we have to get them over one kilogram, well, then we'll get them over one kilogram. Um, a free because, brick with your delivery, because um, you know the fact is, it doesn't cost us more to deliver one kilogram or two kilograms. Sure. Um, the sure. industry, however, could be affected because you know that that differential is going to make a difference for them um, because they they charged on a volumetric basis. Right. So. Um, I, I could see a cost effect, but you know what happens with costs? Costs go to consumers. So who does that benefit? I don't get it. It's a, it's really a silly thing to do. Um, and that's about my opinion yeah. on the post office. I mean, what, what should the post office be doing in your view? I mean, um, the post office in some markets has actually played an important role in e-commerce. Um, I think in the US, the US Postal Service is a, is a big fulfillment agency for Amazon. Could the post office uh, reinvent itself and become an e-commerce provider in South Africa, or do you think the organization is fundamentally broken? Look, I can't talk to the internal workings of the post office, um, but I can say that um, if they were able to do it, they've got a, they've got a great footprint of, of outlets, and um, I assume one of the issues will be technology because I'm sure they have not invested in technology for the last X number of years, so difficult for them to, to have to catch up on that basis. But if they get it right, what a fantastic um, network to be able to deliver parcels to consumers. Mm. Um, so, you know, my view on this is get it right. So spend your time not focusing on a regulatory issue. Right. Spend your time on actually fixing what you've, what, what's, what's not right. Then put yourself up for, for a proper, you know, then, you know, then you've got a proper system to actually be able to deliver consumers, then, then have this fight. Mm-hmm. But having this fight in the midst of a place where you know, you're lucky to get your post, um, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, compete, on, compete on your own merits rather than trying to running off to a regulator. Get your business. Get yeah. your business right, yeah. Get mm-hmm. your business right. Why would you want to, to um, regulate something and then disappoint the consumer? At the end of the day, it's all about the consumer. And what if a consumer can get a good product at a lower price, great. You know, and if that, this, this feeds into that, fantastic. Let the post office go and deliver what they need to deliver, but get it right first. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Competition Commission is looking at, uh, looking at this industry as well. They're busy with uh, a probe into, uh, into uh, digital markets. So I, f- I forget what they call it exactly. You'll know better than me, Kim. Um, but um, just in light of that investigation that the Competition Commission is busy with, um, do you think there's anything government and regulators in South Africa can do to make the e-commerce industry more competitive and to, and to grease the wheels of competition and make the industry grow faster than it is? Yeah, they could leave us alone. I think that'd probably be the best thing to do um, because regulators aren't known for making things um, um, necessarily less bureaucratic. Um, so, 
yeah, I don't know what the regulators after in this in this market inquiry. I honestly don't know, and we've, we're in the midst of it, and we're co- cooperating completely with the regulator, and have, have uh, made various submissions and continue to make submissions to them when they ask us the questions and ask for for information. Um, but I honestly don't know what they're after because. Frankly, we're a business that has been built up over time, um, focusing on customers, trying to make sure that we we do a couple of things. Number one, that we we um, give people better pricing, competitive pricing, and a great service. That we enable businesses. So we've got four and a half thousand sellers on our platform today, um, and um, we want that to just grow and grow and grow. And um, we charge them all in a fair and transparent manner, so we don't discriminate against against our, our sellers as they come onto the platform. We create jobs in the franchisee environment as well, um, and drivers as well. You know, we've gone from 400 drivers to 15,000 drivers today, um, which um, I think there are very few companies in this country today that can actually um, point to the jobs that have been created, and um, you know. The, the, the ancillary job, jobs that come out of this, this type of thing as well as you create a job for a seller and you know his business grows and, and, and he, he, he creates additional jobs as well. Mm. Um, very few co- companies that can actually point to the number of jobs that we've created. So why start having a look at how you actually regulate or restrict that? I don't, I don't get that. We're a, we're a country which is in need of jobs today. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at China... Um, which is an interesting example. Yes, the regulator is, is, is clamping down on the large um, tech guys today. Um, in fact, the world is, is clamping down on a lot of the tech guys. But, you know, you look at China, they allow these companies to grow as, as champions, country champions, mm-hmm. to get to certain sizes. Why? Because it created jobs and it created industry and it was good for the economy. Um, surely that's what this government should be doing for a company like ours, we're a South African company. We're, you know, today as a, as a retailer, um, we are a um, level four um, um, BBE um, contributor, which is probably um, the top 90% of retail today, mm-hmm. um, where we sit as, as, as far as that's concerned. We have a diverse environment um, and um, we're good for the country as far as that's concerned. So, it's a struggle for me to understand why why the regulator is is focusing on what is essentially you know let's face it two point three percent of total retail in this country. I mean, it just looks like a a, a terrible waste of resource in my view. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Kim Reed is a newly appointed chairman or about to be chairman of Take Lot Group and outgoing CEO and chief bottle washer as well. He mentioned a bit earlier in our discussion. Kim, it's always great to chat to you. Thanks for taking the time to talk to Tech Central today. Great. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks for having me. 